This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. Each week, Penny shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams. Hey there, thanks for joining me today for this episode of the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I am going to talk to you today about your thoughts, and I know that sounds like it might be a very short subject, or how could I know what you're possibly thinking, Um, but really, you know, what I'm learning is that our thoughts are everything. Our own thoughts define what kind of parent we are, how well we're able to help our kids with ADHD. Um, They really mean a lot to the way that our lives go and and if we're able to live authentically and parent authentically. Um, So I've been working on a new online course about getting your mind right to parent kids with ADHD or high-functioning autism. And as I've been writing and creating this course, I've done a lot of research about um, optimism, resilience, hope, and what I come back to again and again and again is that our thoughts are going to define whether we are um, a victim or whether we are a survivor. And it's very easy to play, not play the victim, because I don't think we choose it. Um, I don't think most people would choose to play the victim. But we end up kind of identifying ourselves, even if it's subconsciously, as either a victim or a survivor. And it hinges completely on our thoughts. So if we have hope, we're automatically optimistic. We're automatically thinking positive, And that is going to pull us into that survivor mode. And if we feel hopeless or helpless or, you know, like, like the world is somehow wronging us, um, or that we have bad luck, say, that leads to negative thinking or that is negative thinking. And so then you're stuck. You know, when you're stuck in that place of negative thinking, you're really not moving. You're just continually revisiting the feelings that it's giving you to feel helpless or hopeless, and you're kind of spinning your wheels there in that place. But if you're hopeful, if you're optimistic, then you're automatically looking forward. You're looking at the future. You're saying to yourself, this may be hard right now, but I know it's going to get better. I know it can be better. And see, that's automatically pulling you forward. It's projecting you into a better place where if you just kind of ruminate on negative thinking, ruminate on the bad things, then you get very stuck in that place, in that mindset. And so this course, the Get Your Mind Right course, is about 
getting into the right mindset to do the best that we can for ourselves and for our kids. And um, another aspect of that that's really a key part is self-care, which I know I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, We do a Happy Mama retreat once a year. I am starting this spring a Purposeful Parent Boot Camp, which is a small group intensive um, retreat for four days and three nights where we do a lot of group coaching, a lot of respite, um, and really come together with guidance to refocus and get our minds moving in the right direction, that positive direction. And that's really, really powerful. One activity that a lot of people recommend, psychologists and coaches, life coaches, you name it, is to somehow keep track of gratitude, to make sure that you're practicing gratitude every single day. And that could be as simple as having a jar that says my gratitude jar, and you write down on a little slip of paper what you're thankful for today, and you put it in the jar, and your jar builds for the year. And then When you're going through adversity and you're feeling like you're stuck or you're feeling like it's hopeless, you can pull out that jar and read all of the things that you've had to be grateful for. You can do the same thing with a journal. You could put it in your planner or your calendar. Every day you type in your gratitude at the end of the day, you know, whatever works for you. Um... I, at one point, had a gratitude journal for our family, and we all contributed one thing each day to that gratitude journal, and it really does completely change your thinking. Again, it's all about your thoughts. It's all about taking the action in order to make sure that your thoughts are more useful to you, your thoughts are serving you instead of working against you. And raising kids with ADHD, raising kids with high-functioning autism, this is hard. I mean, this is a lesson in adversity that lasts for years, right? It's it's very difficult at times. Sometimes it gets a little easier. It's very much kind of a roller coaster ride um, through our kids' lives as we're trying to figure out how to best help them, figure out how to best parent them, um, remain calm, remain optimistic. You know, all these things are very challenging. And I'm learning that it really does all come back to your thinking. Um, There's a podcaster named Brooke Castillo that I have been listening to a lot lately, and she is a life coach. And she talks about how there that things that happen are neutral. And we attach an emotion and a feeling to them. So we can choose if that thing is going to be horrible, if it's going to, you know, beat us down, hold us down, or if we can think of it in a more positive way, if we can find a silver lining, or if we can just say, I know I'm going to get beyond this, and I know I'm going to get to a better place. I know something better is waiting. And that's not to say that I know that the whole future is going to be better, 
because again, this is very much a roller coaster ride. There are kids, you know, with ADHD have good days and bad days. And sometimes it feels like they're regressing. And sometimes it feels like, holy cow, this is a new kid. But it's it ebbs and flows and there's no real rhyme or reason to it most of the time. But knowing I think that that's coming is helping you to be very resilient and it's helping you to stay positive when you do hit some bumpy patches, when you do fall into a low spot by knowing that it's going to get better, it may get worse, it's going to change a lot in the future, but that there are a lot of great times ahead is going to help you to handle those lower points better when you experience them. And so back to what Brooke teaches, everything is a neutral event. You know, she talks about looking at the facts. Um, and and an exercise that I like in that regard is to look at something like you're explaining it to an alien. And they have no idea. Our culture, our expectations, even our language, right? They need a very basic detailed explanation of the facts. Um, And they're not going to automatically attach emotions to them. And so we, and sometimes we don't choose them. I mean, if something terrible happens, then we're automatically going to those tougher emotions, being down, being sad, being angry. Um, But it really is still a choice. Um, The example that she gives is actually 9-11 attack in New York City here in the U.S. Um, And she says, you know, it's real hard for us as Americans, um, as kind, compassionate people to not think that that is a very horrible, sad thing. Um, but that it really is a neutral event because there are people on this planet who were very happy about that. They planned it. They wanted it to happen. It gave them joy. And so that one event that we think could be nothing but horrible to some people was actually positive. And you know, it's really sad to think that some people enjoyed that event, but it's an example to show you that we really do place our own emotions onto things that happen. And so when we're very mindful about our thoughts and what we're thinking about different things, that mindfulness helps us to take a breath and stop and think it through and see if we can find that silver lining, see if we can attach um, a more optimistic mindset to that event. Um, you know, I've kind of started doing this with my son and school because he has a lot of challenges and school is just tough. And I have fought and fought and fought 
for years in trying to get him the full breadth of accommodations and help that he really needs in school. And it's been a really tough fight. And I've never been 100% successful. And I attribute that to the fact that a lot of people don't understand executive functioning and how disabling um, those deficits can be. And also that he's twice exceptional. He's very, very intelligent. And if you as an adult have a conversation with him about something, you can see instantly how smart he is. And so many people judge capability on intelligence, which is not the sole measure of capability. And so we keep going through school knowing that he's smart, but barely getting C's and D's. Um, And over the years, I've just had to say to myself, this is what school is for him. Getting a C in math doesn't mean that he is going to be a failure the rest of his life. Not having a high GPA when he graduates from high school does not necessarily mean that he can't go to college or he can't follow his dreams and his passions. And you know, in, in my house growing up, when you were smart, you were expected to get A's and B's. And, you know, my sister and I could do that because we did not have any learning disabilities. But I had to throw away that whole programming that I grew up um, getting, really. You know, I grew up thinking, if you're intelligent, you get good grades. And it requires good grades to go to college. And college is required to have a successful life. And I have been able to, over time, reframe that thinking entirely so that it doesn't push me down and hold me in a negative space when I think about uh, my son. Because I could, you know, still be freaking out that he's not getting great grades and freaking out that maybe college isn't right for him. Um, But I'm not because I know that once he's able to blaze his own trail, once he's able to learn things in his own way that works for him, when he's able to um, be immersed by things that he's interested in, that experience for him is going to be so much different. And I have to keep thinking about that future and that place where things are going to be more positive for him. And I just, you know, we've been through a lot of trials and tribulations already this school year, his ninth grade freshman year in high school. um, I just had a brutal IEP meeting a couple of weeks ago. And in those times, I just remind myself, this has an ending point. In four years, we will be done with this and we get to move on to something that he has more say in what that looks like. And so he's going to have more buy-in. He's going to have more motivation. He's going to have more focus because that's the way ADHD brains work. The more interested or passionate they are about something, the more they can focus on it. Um, And school, who's really that interested or passionate? I know there are kids out there who are very passionate about getting straight A's and scholarships and doing their very best, being the best athlete. Um, But that's not my kid. And that's not most kids with ADHD. And that's okay. They're different. And different is okay. So I've trained my thinking 
in that aspect too, that he is different, um, that the world is neurodiverse and it should be. That's a good thing. And that, you know, in other ways, in some day in his future, those things are going to serve him where right now they're really hampering him. Um, and so I've just gotten to the point where I'm okay with whatever happens in his future for him. Um, he doesn't have to go to college to be successful. Maybe college isn't right for him. It's a lot of pushing a square peg in a tiny round hole in most universities too. So, you know, we're just taking it as it comes. And that's important but taking it as it comes in a way that is serving us with a positive attitude about some of our adversity now. I hope that makes sense to you guys, because I think it's a super powerful thing. Being mindful of your thoughts and working to make them as positive and hopeful as possible, as much time as possible, is so, so powerful. And it's not just powerful for you, because you, the space that you're in also affects your kids, your significant other, um, your even extended family. You know, if I wasn't as optimistic as I am about my son's future, would the people around me be optimistic? Maybe not. And would he be optimistic? No, because I'm I'm modeling for him that his future is bleak. I'm modeling for him that um, I, I don't have any hope for his future. And that's not at all the message I want to send to him, of course. And that's not the message that you want to send to your kids either. So, you know, that's another piece of mindfulness and parenting is really being aware of our feelings about certain things and what that's teaching our kids. Because of course, we want them to grow up positive and optimistic and hopeful and full of gratitude, right? So it's very important to work on your thoughts for yourself, but also for your child, also for the rest of your family. And I don't think that we think about that a lot of times, you know, again, with the mom guilt that we have in our society, and this idea that we have to give every fiber of our being to our kids, that somehow they're more important than we are. And that's not just bad for us as the mom or the dad. It's bad for our kids because what message are we giving them when we say that and we show that we give up everything we enjoy, everything we're interested in, all of our self-care so that we can do everything in the world for our kids? Well, we're teaching them that when you're an adult, you don't matter, that only your kids or your spouse matter. Um, and that's certainly not the message that I want to send my kids. And it has taken me some time to really realize that that's what I was doing. By putting your kids first, you're not necessarily doing the best thing for your kids. And it's really tough to to recognize that, to see it, to unearth it and discover it. But it's really powerful, again, because what the way we treat ourselves is how we're teaching our children to treat themselves. If I'm walking around down on myself all the time, I'm teaching my kids that 
they should be complaining about their body image or their grades or whatever, you know, whatever. Oh, I'm a terrible cook. Well, there's some sort of positive to that. We have food to cook. Maybe one dish wasn't great, but the rest of the meal was good. You know, you just have to open your mind to seeing things in a more positive light or to finding that positive aspect. And I just can't stress enough that it is so, so powerful. It can really turn you and your family around. Um, And I want you to just go out with a lot of mindfulness about what you're thinking and you're saying. Start with that. Start with, okay, this just happened. And here I am walking around complaining. Um, Our air conditioner and our hot water heater both went out at the same time in October, didn't have the funds for either, and it felt very hopeless for a short amount of time. It just felt like, you know, the universe was out to get me. Why do I have such bad luck, you know? And I had to recognize that that attitude in front of my kids was harming them too. Um, And, you know, what we're doing when we focus all our time on our kids. Another aspect of that that's not serving our kids is that we often, especially we helicopter parents, I am a reformed helicopter parent, but I lived there for many years, and it turns out that I didn't really prepare my kids to take care of themselves because I was doing everything for them, because it was easier, or because that's what moms do. They give every moment of their time to do for their kids, and then you end up in that space doing more for them and not teaching independence and not helping them be resilient, not helping them learn how to get through day to day and still be in a good place. And so that's another really negative aspect of parents giving up everything for their kids. And You know, I think shame on mom guilt in the first place. I don't know how we came to that point in our society, but, you know, people, we're all human. Moms are human. We make mistakes and we shouldn't feel guilty. We should own up to our mistakes. We should apologize to the appropriate people and we should be able to move on. We shouldn't label ourselves as a bad parent because we are human and we snapped and raised our voice. We reached our breaking point. We raised our voice. That doesn't make me a bad mom. It makes me feel like it for a short amount of time until I can kick in that mindfulness and say, okay, I'm human. I make mistakes and I change my thinking. Okay, now I'm going to show my child that we all make mistakes, that we should apologize sincerely for our actions when we make mistakes, and then we move on in a positive manner. So, you know, everything that we process, all the thoughts that we process, we're really teaching our kids that same lesson, that same way of being. 
So I want you to think about your thoughts and what you're attaching to different unwanted situations. Um, This podcast is going up just a few days before Christmas of 2017. And it reminds me, I felt like this was a really good period of time to remind ourselves about our thoughts and how powerful they are and how we should really be focusing them in a more positive aspect, more optimistic thinking. Um, Because Christmas or holidays with kids with ADHD can be pretty brutal. And we all have this idea that the holiday is this fun, joyful time, and it's lighthearted and It ends up being such a challenge for impulsive, hyperactive kids, though. Um, One year, my son was, well, for several years before that, he was often up in the middle of the night checking out his presents, opening things um, while everybody else was sleeping. And so one year, I think he was, I want to say eight or nine, maybe, his dad wanted to sleep on the sofa on Christmas Eve night to guard the tree and the presents so that he wouldn't go down there and open things. And I said, no. I said, we are going to sleep in our room, in our bed on Christmas night. That would suck that you would sleep on the sofa. Well, lo and behold, his sister comes into me at 4.30 in the morning in a total panic because he is down there opening his presents in the dark. Um, by the time I regain some consciousness and I'm able to process what she's talking about and I put on a robe and I go downstairs, he's sitting there with his Lego kit, pulling it out and building it happy as can be, even though we had threatened him up and down before we put him in bed that night. If you open something before we're there, then you don't get that, that gift. It's gone forever. Um, which is way too harsh and completely uncompassionate. But at the time, we were still learning about ADHD, learning about this parenthood, and we hadn't quite gotten to the point we are today or even close to it yet. Um, So we were just doing the best that we could figure out how to do, right? And so, you know, I got really upset because I knew his dad was going to be really upset because he asked him not to do it. And lo and behold, he did it anyway. And I knew he was going to be upset with me because he wanted to sleep on the sofa and prevent it because he knew it was going to happen. And I told him, no, give him the benefit of the doubt. Nobody's sleeping on the sofa on Christmas night. So, For a couple of hours, it completely ruined our Christmas. We completely let it start ruining Christmas. And it was horrible. My husband got up mad. Um, I ended up sitting in the pantry in the kitchen crying at one point. And I finally said to him, I know you're disappointed. I know that kids are supposed to wait. But what really is the harm? He's having a great time. He was just a curious little boy who couldn't help himself. Why in the world are we going to let this thing that isn't really that big of a deal ruin our entire Christmas for all four of us? And my daughter was in a complete panic because everything was going wrong and she was totally freaked out about it. So she was crying too. 
it was just a mess. It was a horrible, horrible mess. But once we decided that we were not going to think about it as the end of the world, as the complete ruining of Christmas, we all started having a great time. We opened presents together. There was joy. There was laughter. And the rest of the day was great. It was just what Christmas should be. And that's a really good example for you, especially in the holidays, of how we can choose how we are going to react. We can't control our kids and what they do all the time. We can't control anybody else but ourselves. And so that control then comes in in how we're going to react. Are we going to let it bring us down? Are we going to let it make us feel hopeful? Are we going to get stuck there? Or are we going to be mindful about our thinking, change our thoughts, focus on the positive, and be hopeful and move on? And that's what it really boils down to, guys. It just boils down to knowing what you're thinking, recognizing it, and working to do better because it's going to change your life completely. And, you know, I want to lastly really be very clear with you that I am not perfect and I am not the queen of positive thinking. I have felt, in fact, in 2017, probably hopeless more than hopeful for the entire year. A lot of things have really gotten me down. And we've had some personal things, some health issues, some financial stuff. Uh, My daughter left for college this year. And it just was weighing on me a lot. And I was letting it build up. I was letting myself be stuck there. And once I figured out a couple months ago, the power of my thinking, I've really been able to, I've been working very hard to try to stay as optimistic as I possibly can. And to know that there are better times ahead. I don't have to be stuck in this place. And that's really powerful. And yesterday morning, I got in the car to take my son to school, and we're pulling out of the neighborhood, and I look up at the sky, and it's the most beautiful sunrise. There were these very dynamic, fluffy clouds, and the entire bottoms of them were pink and orange and bright, and it was against this really beautiful turquoise sky. And I actually sat there at the stop sign and looked at the sky and said, there's my sign. There's the hopefulness. That sky just felt to me so hopeful, like things were clearing and becoming more beautiful again. Um, And so, you know, just finding those little moments for ourselves is a really powerful thing. And it's hard. I'm not saying that it's not hard. Again, I get stuck so much myself. Um, but but it's a thing you can do. And I just want you to start working on it. I want you to just take one event that feels negative to you and sit down and really brainstorm. What are the positive aspects of this? How can I think 
more positively or optimistically about this. Journal it or write it on a piece of paper or, you know, type a note in your phone. Whatever works for you is absolutely okay. I just want you to start practicing that and you'll see over time that it becomes easier. Your mind starts going there um, more often and more quickly and that it really will turn around your thinking the majority of the time if you just keep practicing it. Um, There was a study I ran across about gratitude and how beneficial it is for both physical and mental well-being. Um, And one thing that they did find was that if you stopped your gratitude practice, if you stopped um, saying what you're grateful for each day or writing it down, that you do fall backwards into that old thinking and that old trap of getting stuck in negativity. So I encourage you to just keep moving forward and keep practicing this. And it's going to change your thinking. It's going to change how you feel mentally and physically. And then that's going to change your family. And you're going to teach your family this great way of going forward in positivity. I wish everybody who hears this before Christmas, happy holidays. I hope that they're filled with excitement and joy and positive thoughts about the negative things that I'm sure our kids will get into. And I wish you a very pleasant and optimistic day. And I want you to go forward in that positivity and start practicing it. I'll see you guys on the next episode of the Parenting ADHD podcast. Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Penny Williams. If you like what you just heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Visit the website, parentingadhdandautism.com for so much more on successfully raising kids with ADHD. Be sure to check out the podcast section as well for previous shows. Join us next time for more parenting strategies and insights that actually work for kids with ADHD.